Praise and be raised. I want to make a declaration today. It might seem like an odd one, but God is the Time Lord. Just in case you're wondering if there are any other Time Lords out there, there's only one who's in charge of time, who is the Alpha and the Omega, and we believe that God will manifest his will here on the earth. Now, when you can see or perceive what God is doing, it can lead you to praising in unusual circumstances. Now, how many of you love to praise? How many of you love to praise in unusual circumstances? About half of you kept your hands down. You know, the challenge that's before us always is how we see the situations that are going on all around us. When we face controversy, we demonstrate our spiritual competency when we say, God, I believe that you're in this. God is involved in every situation and every circumstance that you are facing. And when we can know that God is in things, it changes our perspective entirely. Because what happens to us as humans is we become victims of what we can see. What we see inspires our speech. Or maybe if we were to be a bit more searching about this, what we see exposes what is in our hearts when we speak. When adversity comes our way, we'll ask questions like, God, why me? You ever ask those questions? And then when you get some time down the line, you're like, God, you were in that, weren't you? I can actually see how you walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death, how you led me to a time of provision, how you looked after me when my enemies were surrounding me. Oh, I can see now what you were doing then, God. But how about we sharpen our spiritual attunement or our capacity to see what God is doing so we are at least aware that God is doing something now, not in hindsight, but now, not hoping for a future that may not materialize, but right now. It's one of the disciplines that we're called to develop to cultivate an orientation of heart to what God is doing now so that we can speak out the right things about the situations that we face. And this is going to involve some adjustments to the way that we see situations and then speak about situations. As I don't know, um, how many of you speak English? Any of you speak Chinese? Any French speakers? Any Spanish speakers? Any uh, Shona speakers? Yeah, I heard that one. Any tree speakers? Well, there's loads of languages out there. Any of you speak Christianese? Because Christianese is one of those crazy languages. I don't know if you've ever listened to yourself as a Christian like five years in and listened to yourself before you were a Christian and, and the kind of language that you speak. But let me give you a little bit of a, a story about some Christianese. There was a time about 12 years ago when uh, at that time I was, uh, every single holiday I got, I was spending all my money to go snowboarding or all my money to go skydiving. I'd come back, I'd be skint for the rest of the year, but at least I did what I loved. And one time I went snowboarding and I took a jump that was probably uh, too small for me and landed really badly and um, ruptured my knee ligament. And I was in a period between that injury and I actually ended up fully tearing it about six weeks later um, during a, a volleyball accident. But in this time of walking around, I went to see the NHS. They were wonderful. They gave me aspirin and crutches. So I'm cruising around on my crutches. You know, you'd have laughed at me if you in church because you'd be saying, man of faith, aren't you supposed to heal yourself and so on. And during that time, we had a conference. And in this conference, I would go out because I really wanted to worship God. I'd go out the front with everyone else and everyone else would be jumping up and down on two feet and I'd just be doing it one foot. And then I'd turn around, find someone's nicked my crutches and be like, lads, you know, stood, in, stood there at the front. 
But anyway, obviously standing out there at the front, someone saw me, someone that speaks great Christianese. They came up to me after the service and they're like, you're healed in Jesus' name. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. No, no, you're healed. Uh, I believe God can heal me. I'm praying every day that he would heal me. I love the fact that God is a healer, but this still hurts. No, 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 no. You're healed. Okay, no, no, no. You're crazy. <laughs> That's where Christianese kicks in. Is I've, I get a bit worried sometimes about Christians because we're scared of reality in some ways. We look at reality and then we're like, no, no, no. I can't make a, pos- a false declaration. I can't sin by saying anything negative about a circumstance. Your circumstance is your circumstance. Identifying what is happening to you. I have been diagnosed with sickness. Is not sin. It's not negativity. Especially when you follow it up with, I am believing God for healing, and so on. That's the positive. But when we start to make these crazy declarations, I'm not sick. Okay, but your body would suggest you are. The pain in my knee means that I'm not going to be able to walk home on two feet today because I was stupid and shouldn't have been dancing around at the front, should have been resting. You get it? So Christianese is one of those dangerous languages when we don't position it correctly with what God is doing. On the one side, you might be overly aware of the reality of life. You're a bit cynical because you expect people to do the worst. You recognize everything might be determined and People that are on the side of seeing too much of the reality of life tend to think that Christians are a little bit too crazy because we're awed by mystery. Because unfortunately, they're blind to this realm that we believe in, the kingdom of heaven. On the other side, this is the dangerous Christianese side, overly conscious of the heavenly realm, where there's a disconnect from the reality which we face. We come across a little bit loopy and we can sometimes end up disappointed when that which we've been declaring doesn't always happen. As priests, as every one of us are, priests and priestesses of the Most High God, the kingdom comes when we see reality, but from our heart cry, know that there is a heaven above that can manifest in this reality to bring transformation. We see reality, but we know there is a good Father in heaven who can manifest his will here on the earth to bring his kingdom here. And as priests and as priestesses, we're called to be a people that see reality but begin to speak transformation. And the process of transformation is where we release our words of faith. Now, you might say that lady was, I didn't say it was a lady before, sorry. That person was speaking faith. I would question that because I did have to have surgery later on, and now it is healed, but at the time, it wasn't, okay? Now, not to say that God can't heal. I believe God can. Not to say that he won't. I believe he will. But let's just be real about where we are here today. Amen? And so out of that, what I want to challenge us to think about is how is our speaking going to line up with that inward heart cry when we see reality and we feel pain, we feel hurt, we feel fear, we feel anxiety, we feel anger. How are we going to position our hearts to begin to speak about what God can do in a particular situation. Now, I want to take a text for you from the Old Testament today, 2 Kings chapter 6. The whole passage is from 8 through 23. I'll give you a brief intro, read a section, and give you an outro. Basically, what's happening is that the king of Syria wants to attack the king of Israel. 
but he wants to do it by subterfuge. He wants to capture the king and kill the king so that he can take over the nation while he's on a traveling trip rather than going war of one nation against another. But it so happens that the king of Israel has on his side a prophet, Elisha. And every time the king of Syria comes up with a plan, Elisha goes to the king of Israel and says, hey, don't travel this way, go that way. Hey, don't do this, do that. And it so happens then that each time the king of Israel is preserved. Eventually, the king of Syria gets mad. He's like, what is going on? Is one of my own people betraying me? And they say, no, no, no. What's happened is that there's a man of God in the camp, and he's giving the king of Israel all the answers. So king of Syria's solution, let's kill the man of God so we can then go and kill the king of Israel. And he turns up at Elisha's front door uh, with a huge army, horses, chariots, a great army. And Elisha's servant freaks out. He panics. Alas, my master, what are we going to do? What would you do if all of the army and horses and chariots turned up and you're just having a quiet breakfast with your master and all of a sudden they kick the door down? What are you going to do? He says, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. These were Elisha's words. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha goes on to lead them directly into the heart of the city of Samaria. And it's there that he prays, God, open their eyes. And they open their eyes and they find that they are in the middle of this city of the king that they have been trying to kill with all of his guard all around them. And the king of Israel at this moment says, my father, my father, shall I kill him? Shall I strike them down? And Elisha says, you shall not strike them down. Would you, take, would you strike down those you've taken captive? Instead, feed them and give them drink and send them back to their master. And so it happens that the Syrians don't come again to raid in the lands of Israel. This is an incredible story. I'm not going to be able to do it any kind of justice today in terms of the awe and magnitude of a young man having his eyes open to the spiritual realm that is happening all around him and us. But I do want to bring five principles for us to consider when we're looking at this story. Elisha has prophesied truth. The truth has got him into trouble. How is he going to respond in his time of trouble? I've got a phrase for you. These are the learnings that we're going to pick out. I ain't blind, I've set my mind. Can you say it with me? I ain't blind, I've set my mind. I ain't blind, I've set my mind to see what God is doing. It's so important that we that we decide right at the very beginning that God is doing stuff all the time, all around us. Now, this morning, something incredible was happening at the nine o'clock service. We were having a great time in worship. It was powerful. The presence of God was strong. Simon was up preaching. It was glorious. You know, it was so glorious. I'm sitting by the side there. I even had a vision. I had a vision of Simon's angel. And I even saw it. I captured it on photo for you. (laughs) 
Now, it looks like real bad Photoshop, but this isn't Photoshop. This is Google's latest augmented reality. And if you go on Chrome and you type in, a, I think they've got bear and penguin and dog, and you can superimpose any one of these animals in the environment that you're a part of. So when you're looking through the screen, your camera, you see this animal, and you can put it wherever you want. So that's Simon's angel. He's got a bear angel, apparently. But it's a big bear angel. Now, <laughs> I, I messed with you a bit with that, but technology is going in the direction where you can put anything in any context, not just via Photoshop, but real-time live. You could be shooting a film and superimposing imagery on it. Soon you'll be able to see people's faces swapped in movies and voices change in movies. So if you, you know... What's his name? Uh, the guy who was filming Face Off, Nick Cage and the other guy. You, could, you wouldn't have to do all the funny techniques to swap their faces. You just digitally swap their faces. Anyway, forgot that movie. Lost the point. <laughs> Augmented reality. That's part of the way that technology is taking us. But what I'm talking about today is not augmented reality or a superimposed image upon the reality that is around us. Rather, the vision that Elisha is talking about is a peeling back of the division between the spiritual reality that is all around us all the time and the physical world in which we live day to day. Now, we are enamored with that which we see. We see the physical world all the time. We assess our situation by that which we see all the time. And Elisha prayed a prayer, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he might see. And when his, this boy's eyes are opened, he sees this incredible sight. All around him, chariots and soldiers of fire. The single biggest life lesson in Christianity that you can learn is this lesson. That whatever circumstance you find yourself in, you are not alone. And our prayer for you is that your eyes would be open to the reality because we know that many Christians feel alone. We know that many Christians wrestle in their prayer time and they're like, God, are you for me? Are you with me? Are you, uh, why are all my friends and all of the people in my family have abandoned me? But God is always, always with you. Now, you might be the young man for the first time becoming aware of that supernatural reality or like Elisha, a seasonaire and experiencing the glory of God. But God is doing stuff all around you all the time. It might be that he's shaking you and you're struggling with the shaking. It might be that he's pruning you, chopping back some areas of your life. It might be that you're growing. It might be that you're learning to love, and he's showing his goodness towards you. But wherever you are right now, God is with you. The fire might be so strong that it's singeing your neighbor's hair, but right where you are, the smoke isn't even touching you because God has you in the palm of his hand. And when we begin there, begin that God is with us, he calls us to start to assess the situations that are around us, how he assesses them. Not simply assessing them by our own vision of things, but assessing them in the way that God sees them. Yes, that's a mess, but God can and is moving. Yes, that's broken, but God is making a way in that situation. That's a challenge to us. What is God doing? I ain't blind, I've set my mind to praise him while he's doing it. Now, after Elisha prays, open his eyes, we lose sight of this young man. He disappears from the story. Elisha goes and leads them off and 
does this thing with the king of Israel. I wonder what happened to the young man. Just take a moment to imagine what happened to that young man. Did he just go, oh, that's odd. All right, Elisha, what do we do next? Or do you think he suddenly fell to his knees, got on his face before God? Oh, my goodness me, God. What is this? There is a supernatural realm that is all around me, and I've just been focused on that which I thought could destroy me. Now, this is a little bit of Christianese. I'm guilty of it as well, seeing what God is doing. How many of you have actually seen what God is doing? I mean, actually visibly seen it. Not many of us, right? And not to diminish anything, anyone that has had a vision, but when we speak about seeing what God is doing, it's perceiving, being aware of, being uh, conscious of, knowing, perhaps he gave you a word. So when you see things start to play out, you know that he is in charge of that situation, even though it's terrible. Maybe it's going through a situation knowing that God is with you. Maybe it's seeing the people that he brings alongside you to encourage you while you're going through a great trial or difficulty. Being aware of those things is really what we're talking about, having a sensitivity to those things and perhaps even actually seeing them, but not limited to that. But in that moment, like that young man, when we become aware of God is doing, start to open our mouth with praise. Start to open our mouth to say, thank you, God. Now, praise isn't a destination. Simon's been talking about this a bit recently where he's saying, you know, each song is a vehicle to get us into the presence of God. Praise isn't a destination. It's our present declaration of our now revelation of who God is. It's saying now, I see what God is doing right now in my life. I would encourage you to make a small adjustment then when you start to become aware of what God is doing in your life. When you start to be aware, I'm in a trial right now, I'm going through a difficulty right now, I'm going on a journey right now, and I, I know that God is in this, how do you respond? And the small adjustment that I would say is, suggest is, praise God, but limit the number of people you're sharing the narrative with, okay? To people that you trust. Now, hopefully, you're not just praising God because it's great to have someone come alongside you and support you. Hopefully, there is someone that you can share your life with. But praise God, and then start to say to people, close people around you that you trust, you know, I believe God has taken me through a season, but I really believe that he's good and he's going to bring me through. Why do I say this? If you're just stepping out like the young man is, if you're just journeying with this idea of God being involved in your life, this journey is going to take you through a realm of internal transformation. And if you start to put your dreams and visions out there with too many random people, I can guarantee some other blessed Christianese-speaking person is going to come along and wreck your dreams. You need to have someone that you trust so that you can make sure you're not going crazy, but you need to make sure you keep those dreams in your heart from the people who are going to destroy them for you. Don't broadcast everything that God is doing in your life. Don't be someone that has to run around saying, blessed, I'm blessed and highly flavored, and it's all good, and ignoring the mess of your life. Start saying to people, you know what, I've been wrestling with depression. I've been struggling with my thoughts. I've been struggling with a problem with money. I need help, and I believe God's going to take me through. I'm praising God in it, but I need your help with me as well. But don't broadcast. Get the principle. So first one, see what God is doing. Second, praise him while he's doing it. Third, I ain't blind. I've set my mind to wait till he gets it done. 
I'm guilty of this, I'm sure you're guilty of this, that when we see God doing something, we get started with what we think we should do about it. Now, if you think about it, this vision has just happened where angels and chariots are all around, and then there's this real physical army. What did you think was going to happen? Were the spiritual armies going to suddenly attack the physical armies and destroy them? No, it was a demonstration that God is there with. But then something begins to happen on this journey. Elisha takes this army right into the heart of a city and brings them before their enemy, the king of Israel, right in the heart of this city. God was doing something, but there were pieces that needed to be moved about, much like a chessboard. This army needed to be brought into a city to see its own vulnerability before the living God. And in that place, when they opened their eyes they suddenly became aware that it didn't matter their military strength, it didn't matter their might, it just mattered whether God was on your side or not. And the fact that God was with the people of Israel meant they didn't have to worry. We see the first instinct, the fiery charts. God, send the fiery charts, kill them all. <laughs> or maybe you're too holy for that. <laughs> but maybe one of those pieces that needs to be moved in you is for patience to become your portion to learn how to wait while God moves things all around you. You need people who value patience to keep encouraging you to keep patient. The art of patience is internal praise. Not everyone's going to understand your disposition. Not everyone's going to understand why you are behaving that way, given the circumstances. But the moment you sit down and say, okay, God, you show me what you're going to do, and I'm going to track with you as you do it, you position yourself for genuine victory. I ain't blind. I've set my mind to embrace new ways of thinking as God does what he does. And this is the key maturity lesson. So many Christians have God do amazing, amazing miracles. And perhaps we don't even realize it, but God does amazing miracles around us and we don't change. If you've faced financial adversity, the next time you face a financial adversity, you should have a whole skill set about trusting God developed. But we panic the same way we panicked at the beginning of the first one. God, where are you? Our mindsets are supposed to be changed. Now come back to this story. Look at what happens. These enemies have been led right into the heart of Samaria. The king of Israel there, all of his armed guard have surrounded this great army. And they're just waking up from a season of blindness. They've walked there blind, being led by Elisha, and they had their eyes opened. You, you could win that battle any time. And that's what king of Israel is thinking. He's like, can I kill him? Elisha, can I kill him? We might face a situation where we come through to a place of potential resolution or breakthrough. And instead of seeking God for his way of doing things, we want to bring destruction. And it comes like with our heart's prayer. God, you know, you're going to get them one day. Just help me keep my heart right. Please kill them when it's okay. Please kill them. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm still praising you. We have all that sort of prayer. And yet, come to this moment, what does Elisha say to the king of Israel? No. Don't destroy them. Instead, give them a huge great feast. Give them a great banquet of drinks. Look after them. Send them back off to their master and make sure that he knows what happened to them. Make sure he knows that the, we'll use the word Christian, we know this Old Testament, not Christian, but the people of God 
chose a different path in a time of potential victory. What end did you hope for? Maybe you hoped that the boss, boss would get fired after his mistreatment of you. But instead, God has brought about a change of heart in the heart of your boss. Maybe your friend who stole money from you doesn't return the money, but you became, become a friend with them again. Maybe you don't get the promotion straight away when you stand up for righteousness, but you get trust and a status in the office which people respect you. Maybe the outcome doesn't look like we wish it should, if we were to be more honest about our vindictive selves. But the reality is that as we go through these journeys, God wants to bring about a transformation where actually, when we know God is in charge, we don't need to punish everybody. We don't need to see them destroyed. Actually, we can believe God for a transformation in their heart. You know, every candidate, every person that right now is a, a nightmare to you, someone that you wish wasn't in your life, they're a candidate for, candidate for the grace of God. And as you change your mindset in line with what God does, things begin to change. See, this is a great victory. They didn't have to wipe out the army. They just sent them back to their boss, and it says they no longer came raiding. They no longer tried to do something knowing that God was in charge. And where we are as Christians, if we can learn to praise in difficult circumstances, situations won't need to be destroyed. They will just need to be brought into dominion to the kingdom of God. Final one, conscious I'm going on. I love going on. I ain't blind. I've set my mind to proclaim his glory and grace. Once God has done something great and you've got that testimony, go public. There is a time for quiet praise, but there is a time to magnify God. This young man sharing the story of how he saw incredible things. The story, national fame of how God led an army into blindness into the hands of their enemy. These are stories which glorify God. Wherever you are, whatever you've seen God do in your life, start to give thanks for it when it happens. When you get the car that you believe in God for, the house that you believe in God for, the husband or wife you believe in God for, keep thanking God for them because, you know, you might doubt that decision in a couple of years. Too, too deep, too deep. Proclaim his glory and grace. Proclaim his glory and grace at all times. All right, let me bring it into land. We're talking about seeing reality, but also seeing that God can manifest his power in your reality. Deciding I'm not blind to the situation. I'm not blind to my reality, but I've set my heart, I've set my mind to believe God to invade my situation. I'm going to see what God's doing. I'm going to praise. I'm going to wait. I'm going to embrace a change of mind, and I'm going to proclaim his goodness. And you'll start to see something happen in you. The way you approach situations, lesson after lesson, battle after battle, you'll start to praise God in your circumstances. And as you praise and as you glorify him with a recognition of reality but his manifesting glory, you'll start to see that God can take you from a pit to the mountaintop. He can take you from being in prison like Joseph to ruling over a nation. When you praise, he can take you from a place of being set aside as a servant to being a place of leading as a, as a champion of God. Wherever you are, if you choose to set your mind and heart on what God is doing, you will see transformation. So much so that actually you can speak words of life that God, like God does. When someone comes to speak brokenness into your situation, you know what you can say? I see that God has such a great plan for your life. He's going to transform you. 
that he's going to show you his power and his goodness, and he's going to show you how great you are in his kingdom plans and purposes, it changes the way you see everything around you as you align your mouth to praise.